The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. If you got your Bibles, open them up to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. If you've been with me, we've been in Revelation for some time now, and uh, I titled this series, um, Revive Us, O God, and kind of, kind of goes back to the very first Revelation 1 when the Lord revealed himself to John on the island of Patmos and gave him a fresh revelation of who he was, and then to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And if you remember, uh, five out of those seven needed great reviving. I mean, no doubt about it, God had uh, brought a word to them. And then last week, uh, in chapter 4, uh, the Lord allows John to take a look up into heaven. And I, I shared last week the hymn, uh, Hymns of Heaven, part 1. It was about the hymns of creation and how uh, they began to declare and praise the Lord for what? He is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that He created all things and by His will uh, things were created and have their being. And now in chapter 5 we see what we might would call the hymns of redemption. And so here we go. Let me just read out of Revelation chapter 5, just a few verses here. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said, said to me, don't, don't weep. See, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they began to sing... A new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, every language, every people group, every nation. And you made them into a kingdom and a priest to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard a voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand upon ten thousand, encircling the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And with a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You know, when we get a glimpse into what John began to see here in Revelation 4 and 5, it's just, it's awesome in the sense of that it's uh, awe-inspiring. Uh, it's quite, honestly, a lot to take in. And, and John is allowed, permitted by the Lord, to write down what he begins to see. 
And we see real quickly here in this vision that he, he saw uh, uh, on this throne uh, this scroll. He saw the one who sat there with the scroll. And he was in that, in that context, this scroll uh, literally that he saw in God's hand was a title or a deed to this earth. And in other words, he's, he, he saw this scroll, this title deed, which he would have seen. And he was in, in, in his mind, he was like, who is going to be found worthy to take that scroll? Uh, it, it's interesting that throughout history, MacArthur makes this statement. There have been many pretenders to the earth's throne. Many people have sought to conquer and to rule the world. You know this, many of your history majors. The first and most, power, most powerful and notorious uh, one would have been that of Satan in the garden. After his rebellion against God was crushed, he and his angelic followers were thrown out of heaven and became the God of this world. But listen, he didn't stop there. He inspired many over the centuries. Think about it. Nebuchadnezzar, we just talked about him this morning in Bible study. Darius, Alexander the Great, emperors of Rome. Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Lenin, Stalin, and even Hitler. In fact, the book of Revelation tells us in the future there's coming one who will come most powerful. Satan possessed human conqueror of all. The Bible clearly says this is the Antichrist. But here's the deal. All of those men that preceded him, all of them have one thing in common. They failed to conquer this earth. There's only one. And the, the clear picture in this chapter. There's only one who has the right and the authority and the power to rule the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he will clearly in scripture one day come back and take rightfully his from the one who seems to think he has control over this world right now. All the rebels, all the demonic influence, all those that want to follow those ways, none of them will stop him from doing what he is destined to do. No one will. Revelation chapter 5 introduces us Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain, the Redeemer of this world, mankind. He's the rightful ruler. And he is the main focus in this passage of Scripture. We find in, the, in, the, in, in, in John's vision here, as he begins to look into heaven, uh, when he looks in here, he's trying to find someone who is worthy. That's what he hears, a loud voice of the mighty angel in verse 2. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven, no one. They, they, did, they did a search. They looked all over the place for someone who might be worthy to open this book. Uh, who, who has the ability to do this? And over and over again, there, in fact, I mean, he makes this statement here. As they were searching and looking to and fro, there's no one who steps forward. No one says a thing. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? The angel proclaims in a loud voice. But no one says anything. Now, many preachers have made much of this. You know, Gabriel uh, didn't say a word. Michael didn't say a word. Think about Moses and David and Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, anybody of those hosts that would have been there. None of them said a word. No one in heaven and on earth was able to open this book, to take this scroll, to take this deed of this earth from the hand of one that sat on the throne. It's interesting what we see next here is John begins to weep. 
uncontrollably. In fact, the word there, weep, it's an intense weeping. It's the same word used when Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem in Luke 19, verse 41. This word weep, in fact, it's the only time in Scripture that tears are seen in heaven. W.A. Criswell explains this. He talks about the weeping and the tears that are in heaven from John's eyes in this moment. And he says, it makes this statement, it represents the tears of all of God's people throughout all the centuries. Those tears of the Apostle John are the tears of Adam and Eve driven out of the garden. As they bowed over their first grave, as, as they watered with their tears the dust of the ground over what their son who had been killed over sin that had wreaked havoc even in their family. The tears of God's elect through the centuries as they cried out into heaven. These tears that have been wrung from the heart and soul of God's people as they looked all over their, those that have died. They stand beside those graves. They experience trials and sufferings and heartaches and disappointments. Such is the curse of sin upon God's beautiful creation. The tears of heaven. Jesus, John wept because he wanted to see the world rid of this evil, this sin, this death. He wanted to see Satan vanquished and God's kingdom established on earth. I've reminded you several times the church at this point is under intense persecution. In fact, many would say that John in this moment, of, of kind of caught up in this moment, who is worthy and no one is stepping forward, no one, he doesn't see anybody, he begins to weep because he is troubled in his heart. He is hoping that somebody will step forward. In that moment, he's, he is caught up in this moment. His heart is grieving tremendously. From his, you've got to remember from his perspective, he's on the island of Patmos. He's persecuted. The church, things haven't been going well. The messages just previously pronounced to the churches in Asia Minor, I said earlier, five of those seven were under severe judgment. From his perspective, things weren't going well. In fact, that's an understatement, going badly. Would no one step forward and change this situation? There's no one going to unroll the scroll and redeem God's creation. Which moves us to the selection of, of the worthy one. Not just anybody. But the Bible says what? Uh, he, he wept. And one of, the, one of the elders came and said, don't weep. He said, why? He said, because see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. These are messianic terms in your Bible. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The title is from Genesis chapter 49, verse 8 and 10. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hands shall be on your neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp from, from pray, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. It's a messianic term. Out of the lion like tribe of Judah would come a strong, fierce, deadly ruler. In addition to that was the root of David. That's very familiar to our ears. A messianic term used over and over again in the scripture. Isaiah 11, 1 says, Then a shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, a branch from his roots that will bear fruit. And it will come about in that day that nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for peoples. His resting place will be glorious. In Matthew 1 and Luke 3, the genealogies were filled that Jesus was a descendant of David, a messianic line. 
Paul said in Romans 1.3 that he was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. Jesus is the one worthy to take the scroll. Why? Because he is the rightful king from David's loins. He is the lion from the Judas tribe. And, and with his power to destroy his enemy, he also, because he also what he has done, he has overcome. The Lord overcame at the cross, defeated sin, death. Let me pause here just a moment. To God be the glory. We sung, we've sung a lot about the Lord and what He's done for us. And this song in heaven, this hymn in heaven about the redemption and the blood of Jesus. We are in Christ overcomers. And like John, maybe you're in a position. I don't know if you're like John per se in that degree. But maybe you feel like it's not working out or things aren't going well. But friend, let me tell you, in Christ, friend, we have overcome. This is not our home in which we are in right now. John, in his eyes, he began to see this lamb who was slain, that appeared to be slain. Now, it's interesting here, these messianic terms, this, this, this line, this root of David, these great warriors, and he sees this lamb. In fact, in the Greek New Testament, that word means little lamb. It refers to something like would be a pet lamb. I don't know if y'all have one of those. But apparently during the Passover, the Jewish families were required to keep that sacrificial lamb as a household pet for four days before sacrificing it. That word is referencing this little lamb. MacArthur makes this statement, while every lamb sacrificed under the Old Covenant pointed to Christ, he is only referred to as a lamb once in the Old Testament. That's Isaiah 53, 7. In the New Testament, outside of Revelation, he is called a lamb four times. Y'all know, know this one in John 1. He is the Lamb of God. When he saw him, John the Baptist saw him. In Revelation, 31 times he's referred to as the Lamb. Now there are several things about this Lamb you see in the Bible. When he saw this Lamb, they appeared to be slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures. He had seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. First thing, is, first thing we need to acknowledge is he was standing and he's alive, and he's on his feet, and he is very much in control of what's happening. Yes, he died, but blaze be to God, he rose again. You remember the Bible says he ascended on high, and he's sitting at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. He's in that place today. He is alive, and, and yes, he is coming back for his church. And not just, well, yeah, praise God, he's coming for us, but he's coming back to deliver judgment upon this world. Another feature is this, of the seven horns. Now, seven in the scripture means fullness or, or, or completion. These horns symbolize strength and power. Seven, as you know, is the number of perfection, symbolizes the Lamb's complete and absolute power to execute judgment. The Bible says he has seven eyes, denoting perfect uh, ability to see, complete understanding and knowledge. And we've already looked at the seven spirits of God, meaning the fullness of the, of the Holy Spirit is within him. You know, he makes this statement that verse 7, here in this passage of Scripture, really culminates the entire chapters 4 and 5. Because at this point, there's no one that has been able to take the deed of this earth that has the authority, the power, the, he was worthy to do that. And verse 7 says, he came and took that scroll from the right hand of him who sat on it. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. 
Again, signifying his deity. He is God, fully God. I mean, the scriptures are replete. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is God in the flesh. I mean, one of the things they're combating against, even in the end of the first century, is that some thought that Jesus was a little created underneath God up here. And that's not it at all. He is the one true living God. He has the authority. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. And He is the Lamb who was slain. He took our place. When the creatures worship Him, I mean, it's, it's just like we sing this morning. We sing unto the Lord. We worship the Lord. He has a name, Jesus. And we praise Him. We lift high His holy name. They said they fell down. It reminds me, I couldn't help it earlier when we sang that song, Surrender. The, 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 the elders that laid down their crown before the feet of the throne. And I, and I would say to us again, true worship moves us to lay our stuff down before the Lord. In this moment, I mean, we get a glimpse into heaven. What is really most important in heaven? We all have a theology in the way we think about God, but we can look into heaven right here, and I can see clearly in these, these two chapters, as John's allowed to see up into heaven, and worship of the one true living God is preeminent. Worshiping Him wholeheartedly, bowing down before Him, honoring Him, giving word, ascribing praise and honor and glory to the one true living God. Over and over and over again. Gosh, how many times can we say this? There's even a new song that's written. The song of the worthy one. I mean, it just culminates in this moment. It's like an eruption of praise that takes over in heaven. They sing a new song. Friend, I mean, it, it, sung, it was sung a long time ago, and it's, I hope we can sing this continually today. I, I cannot say enough, church. We were made to know the Lord, the one true living God. As a child of God today, in the house of the Lord today, we are, we are allowed the opportunity to worship Him and to praise His holy name. They sang a new song. They erupted into this praise. I, it says they had harps there and they were playing some kind of stringed instruments and so forth. I don't know how the jam was going or the tune. If I could sing a, even a half a bit, I probably would have broke out into a song. I really would love to. I mean, it would, you know, it might be a little rough on your ears. But I wonder the tune. I wonder how it went. I wonder, was it slow or was it upbeat? Did we? I don't think that's the point, is it? But what did they do? They began to what? Affirm Christ's worthiness. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Nobody else can. Why is he worthy? Why is he praised in his worthiness? Because what? He died. For our sin. He purchased. Purchased us. That's, the, that's the, the meaning there of that atonement. He paid a price that we should have paid. And because He died on our behalf, He is now worthy to open, to take that scroll. He is the only one. It must have been thrilling. MacArthur makes this statement. In this moment, you can only imagine in this moment, when John begins to see this lamb who appeared to be slain, and all of a sudden, he takes that scroll. It, might, it had to be exhilarating for John, what? To realize that the redeemed would one day include people from all over the world. you got to remember, his little world was pretty small back then, and it wasn't going well. In fact, some of the churches didn't go very well. We know some of them didn't even make it out of the second century. 
He's on an island. He's been persecuted. Many others have already died because of the uh, of preaching and sharing the gospel. And in their moment, in their world, in that day, it seemed, it seemed hopeless maybe. But this word of the Lord to them said, look, uh, I've, I've got people from all over this entire earth that you know nothing of. And you can just imagine John's exhilarating realization that those that are called by God are all over this world. His church is beautiful. The bride of Christ is glorious. Friend, I mean, maybe that, I hope that encourages us today. Sometimes we get sucked into our little world around here and draw that little circle. We need to lift our eyes up. And we, we serve a great, awesome, powerful God. Jesus alone is worthy. Not only that, but they begin to sing a new song about the results of this redemption. He says, what, you're now kingdom. You're, 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 he says, you've made them in verse 10 to be a kingdom. Friend, we are part of God's kingdom. I, I go back to even this morning, we were in life group talking about prayer, the Lord's prayer. God has taught us how to pray and His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about Him. It's not about us. He is the rightful ruler and king. Your pastor's not. Please hear that. Jesus is the head of His church. He paid for our souls and salvation. He is the leader. He is the one in which we ought to bow down and worship and, 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 and come before Him and say, Lord, whatever You will, let it be done. Not only, not only are we a part of it, but He said we're priests. Boy, that's a, that's a great picture signifying what our access into His presence. Well, even in heaven, even in this moment, the song that is sung is about being a part of God's kingdom and about being reigning, ruling with Him and, and the authority and the worthiness of Christ. But it talks about... The, the intimacy that we have now in Christ. That we have access to our one true living God. We don't have to stand at a distance. Good night. But through the blood of Christ, we have access to Him. Yeah, I know we may not know that fully on this part of heaven, but one day it's coming. One day we'll know Him fully. You know what I love about this? You see the... You see the the flow of this worship, the, 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 the outbreak of praise, as it rolls out of this passage in verse 10, John sees and looks thousands upon thousands. And in fact, he's looking around and he begins to envision, all of a sudden, almost instantly appears these angels from everywhere. How many? He really doesn't know. That's the whole terminology here. There's just so many, I can't count them all. And with one loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb. That's a great song. But then it goes further. And in this moment, at the close of this chapter, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all of them singing to Him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be praise, honor, and glory and power forever and ever. Let me remind you, church. Paul said it best in Philippians chapter 2. He said, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Every person ever lived, ever will live, will declare Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. They will declare, worthy is the Lamb. Even in this context, everybody will. You mean everybody? Yes, everybody will declare He alone is worthy. The good news is right now, you can do that for salvation. 
You can come to a place where you can declare He is Lord. He is worthy. He is the Lamb that was slain. But there's coming a day where the world will declare that in judgment. Regardless of what they believe, they will come to the realization that, they, that He alone is the one true living God. There is no place in redemption. There is no plan of salvation outside of what He did for us on the cross. The four living creatures... It's interesting, at the end of this chapter, they're kind of, it seems, in all of what's taken place, the only thing they can say in this moment is amen. That little Greek word, may it be, may it be, bring it forth, amen. Friend, let me remind you, church, there's coming a day. Your pastor does not know. There's coming a day where he will split that sky, the trump will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise. And we will be caught up. Those that know him will be caught up. Friend, I want you to know, today, you know, the Bible talks about today because there's always today. The devil wants you to think about tomorrow because there's never tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to acknowledge to come before the Lord and say, worthy is the Lamb. Friend, we're about to have a word of prayer in just a moment. But friend, please hear me. If you're here today, God brought you here today. If you have never come to that place in your life where you acknowledge Jesus Christ alone, the Lamb of God that was slain, that if you've never surrendered your life, trusted Him personally, asked Him to be your Lord, called out to Him in repentance, I mean, whatever words you want to use, acknowledge that you need Him. Trust in Him. Turn to Him. We just sang that song. Friend, today's the day. Today's the day. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to praise you right now. And God, I'm asking you right now, God, that somehow, some way, in this place, in this sanctuary, across this auditorium, God, get our attention. Life is too short. God, you, you alone are worthy. And there's none like you. Father, I just ask, Lord, that through the reading of your word, through the preaching of your word this morning, God, that you would just do a work in our hearts. God, if there be anybody here that don't know you, God, that you would gently knock on the door of their heart, and God, that they would by faith open up their heart and life and trust you personally as their Lord and Savior. But friend, for the many that, uh, Lord, for the many that are here that do know you, like John, like the early church, God, this vision of heaven brought encouragement in great grace, knowing that you are victorious. You are the only one who is worthy to take that deed of earth. God, there's no one like you to God be the glory. God, would you encourage your people today? Lift our eyes up. Let us see you, Father, as you really are, high and lifted up. God, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me this morning, church. We're going to sing a song this morning. Friend, as we sing, if you're here and you need Christ, you come.
If you know, if you know this is where God's calling you to unite with this fellowship, come make that public today. Let's sing this to the Lord.